Well, today I want to invite you to turn to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 is where we're going to be on a day like today when every churchgoer in our state is faced with a very personal and difficult decision about how to worship God today. We're reminded of what we need most, and what we need most is to see Jesus. We need to see him today. We need his strength today because we're weak. We need his energy today because we are tired. We need his wisdom today because we're perplexed. We need his peace today because we're troubled. We need his stability today because the world is proving that it's built on nothing but sand. We need to see Jesus today more than we need anything else. And I'm convinced that what you behold is what you become. What you treasure is what you're going to behold, and what you behold is what you're going to become. Some people say seeing is believing, but I think beholding is becoming. And so I pray that we would see Jesus high and lifted up today, and let's do that right now. God's Word, Revelation chapter 1 Verse 9, and when we see Jesus, I'm convinced that we're going to radiate with his glory. And if there's ever been a time in my life for the church to rise up and radiate with the glory of Jesus, it's now. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9 says, I, John, your brother and partner. I just want to say I'm glad that I have brothers and partners in ministry, and I am really glad that John is one of my brothers and partners as well. Just be encouraged by that today, okay? I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Don't miss this. John, because he was obeying Jesus, got arrested. The authorities, because he was faithful to Jesus, exiled him to an island for prisoners. What was the crime that John had committed? He tells us toward the end of verse 9, on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Listen, if you're disobeying authority today it better be because of Jesus if you're disobeying authority today it better not be because you're angry it better not be because you have a spirit of rebellion if you're disobeying authority today politics is not a good enough reason John was not on Patmos because he was making a political statement. He was on Patmos because he could not stop talking about Jesus. And he could not stop talking about God's word. Listen, if you're serving God, if you are doing righteous things for righteous reasons and you suffer for that, 
I promise you, Jesus will show up. He always has. If you're suffering for doing righteous things for righteous reasons, he'll show up. He showed up on Patmos with John. He showed up in the prison with Paul and Silas. He showed up in the prison with Peter. He showed up in the lion's den with Daniel. He showed up in the fire with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. He showed up on Mount Carmel with Elijah. And if you suffer... Because you're doing righteous things for righteous reasons. I promise you, he's going to show up. Just always make sure that when you take a stand, you're taking a stand to serve Jesus. And that you're not taking a stand to serve yourself. It's hard to differentiate the two sometimes. And I've botched that up sometimes. So John is exiled by the Roman Empire and he's out here on this island and here's what happens. Verse 10, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. John says it was on the Lord's day, meaning it was Sunday. Sixty years earlier, a much younger John had stood in the doorway of an empty tomb. And from that Sunday to this Sunday, Sunday has always been the Lord's day. Sunday has been the day when the redeemed bride of Christ gathers together to gather to lift up high the name of Jesus. John says it was on the Lord's day. And he says, I heard a voice behind me like a trumpet. And this voice tells John to write in a book what he sees and to send it to the seven churches. And I believe that means it wasn't just intended for these seven churches called by name, but it was intended for all churches, all places, all times. And that includes you and me right here today. The voice tells John to write down what he sees and that's not easy to do. It's easy to write down something that you hear. It's kind of hard to write down what you see. Especially if what you see is Jesus Christ in all of his glory. You try to write that down. Imagine if somebody let you look through the Hubble telescope and said to you, write down what you see. Can you imagine how difficult that would be? And that's nothing compared to being told, I want you to look at Jesus in all of his glory, and I want you to write that down. Verse 12, John says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. This is an interesting voice. This is a voice that is like none other. This is a voice that is so powerful, so glorious. It's a voice that you can see, apparently. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. So here we go. John turns around, and there's Jesus. And Jesus is standing there in the middle of these seven lampstands. Now, what are those lampstands? Skip down to verse 20 for the interpretation of that. Verse 20, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands 
are the seven churches. So this vision that John is receiving of Jesus is Jesus standing in the middle of seven lampstands, and the lampstands are the church of Jesus. Don't miss this. Jesus is with his church. Jesus is with his people. In fact, he's in the midst of his people. He's in our very midst right here today. He's at work in the middle of his lampstands. He's trimming the wicks. He's breathing life back into flickering flames, which may describe some of you. He's fanning flames that are burning with zeal and passion, which may describe others of you. And Grace Life is one of his lampstands. Jesus is here today, and he's with us. He's in our midst. He's at work among the lampstands to make sure that we are blazing with his glory, with his radiance. Let me tell you today a few quick things about Jesus in our midst. Okay, not a few things. I think I'm going to tell you 12 things about Jesus in our midst out of Revelation chapter 1. Today, first of all, is this Jesus in the middle of his church is king of the universe. He's king of the universe. Look at verse 13. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. By the way, that phrase, son of man, happened to be Jesus' favorite title for himself during his earthly ministry. Now, don't get confused. The title, son of man, is not referring to the fact that he was an earthly man at one point. But, but that title means more than that. The Jewish people understood. The writers or the readers, the listeners of this letter who heard it in the first century, they knew what the title Son of Man meant. They understood the title Son of Man to mean the King of the Universe. That came out of Daniel chapter 7 from their Old Testament. Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. Daniel 7.13 says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days. And I think that's God the Father, the Ancient of Days. So the Son of Man comes to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. I don't know if you got that, so let me say it again. To him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And that's the Jesus who's standing in the middle of his church today. The king of the universe who has all dominion. He's in the middle of his church. In verse 13b says, And he's clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. Listen, Grace Life, Jesus is in the middle of his church today, and he is the king of the universe, and he is also our great high priest. The word long robe there in verse 13 is not found anywhere else in the New Testament. But when you find that word in the Old Testament, it's always referring to the robe of a high priest. So here's the Son of Man, the King of the universe, with his long robe on. He's our great high priest. 
And, and John tells us there's this gold sash around his chest. And the fact that it's gold and the fact that that sash is lifted high around his chest and not around his waist is telling us that this is a priest that is high. It's telling us that this is a priest that has a rare kind of greatness about him. And indeed he does because this is the only priest. This is the only great high priest that stands between sinful man and holy God. This is the one and only mediator. He alone is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the ancient of days except through him. Not only is Jesus in the middle of his church the king of the universe. Not only is Jesus in the middle of his church the great high priest. But Jesus in the middle of his church is infinitely wise. We need to be reminded of that. When our foolishness and the foolishness of man is so readily on display. The one who stands in the middle of his church is infinitely wise. Verse 14, look at it. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. You know, in American culture, we don't really appreciate the aging process like ancient cultures appreciated that, even like some cultures still appreciate that. In ancient culture, white hair was a symbol of, of wisdom. So John sees Jesus standing in the middle of his church And he sees him as the king of the universe, the great high priest, and the one who is infinitely wise. And he's here. And he's in our midst. Not only that, but Jesus, in the middle of his church, he sees all things. He sees all things. Nothing is hidden from him. Look at verse 14. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His hair may make him look ancient, but when you look into his eyes and you see that power and you see that energy, you know that he has strength and he has power like none other. His eyes are sharp. His eyes are clear. Not even the smallest molecule can hide from his vision. Not even COVID-19 can hide itself from him. Not even my sin or your sin can hide itself. From Jesus. Not only is Jesus in the middle of his church, the king of the universe, not only is Jesus in the middle of the church, our great high priest, not only is Jesus in the middle of the church, the one who is infinitely wise, not only is he the one that sees everything, but he has perfect power and perfect purity. Perfect. In all his ways. Verse 15 says, his feet. We're getting a view of him from head to toe. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. Burnished bronze is a picture of purity and power and strength. There's none that has purity like this one. There's none who has power like this one. He is in a class all by himself. We just saying, you have no rival, you have no equal, and he doesn't. He alone is perfect in purity. He alone is perfect in power. Another word that we use to describe that is the word holy. He is holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is filled with His glory, the one who is and was and who is to come. There is no flaw in Him. There is no failure in Him. There is no weakness in Him. There is nothing wrong with Him. And that is the one who's standing in our midst today, church. He's the King of the universe. 
and he's our great high priest. And he is infinitely wise. Mark, if you need wisdom, you got him in your midst. He's infinitely wise. Jennifer, you don't know what tomorrow holds, but he already sees it because he sees everything. And he's perfect in purity and in power. Number six, and his voice has all authority. Look at what the text says. His voice was like the roar of many waters. You just imagine what it would sound like if you could stand where thousands of Niagara Falls were cascading over the cliffs. You ever tried to stop water? I brought something in here today. My buddy Craig Miller, he works for Birmingham Waterworks, and he brought me this a couple of years ago. This is probably a one-inch pipe, brass, and it looks like a bomb went off in this thing, but it didn't. The water pressure got so high in this piece of pipe, it exploded it. This looks like some shrapnel now. That's just water and a one-inch piece of pipe. Can you imagine the authority that Jesus in the middle of his church has? John said his voice sounded like the roar of many waters. Listen, if you ever try to stop water, it's got some kind of authority, doesn't it? Think about that. If you just heard Jesus, if you just heard Jesus speak one word audibly, you couldn't handle it. If he unleashed his glory in all of its fullness into just one syllable to your ear, you couldn't handle it. And when he speaks, nothing can stop him. Nothing can change that. This is the one, Grace Life, who's standing in our midst today. Don't forget that. It's been 49 long days. But I came today to remind you, he's still here. Nobody's locked him down. Nobody's going to lock him down. He's still the king of the universe in our midst. He's still the great high priest in our midst. He is still the one who is infinitely wise. The one with eyes that see Everything perfect in purity, perfect in power, and his voice is roaring with authority. And I'm going to throw the next point in for all my pastor friends. Verse 16. In his right hand, he held seven stars. What is that about? Well, verse 20, again, provides some interpretation for us. I want you to see that again. Verse 20. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So these seven stars in his hand are the angels to his churches. Now there's a debate about exactly what does that mean. Are these literal angels? Are there angels that are assigned to Each church, that would not surprise me if that were the case. But the word angels here is the word messengers. Well, the messengers of God's word to God's church are pastors. So I'd like to think that Jesus is in the middle of his church and he's holding pastors 
in his hand. Jesus is in the middle of his church today, and pastors who might be listening, I know right now it's a hard time to be a pastor. But he's holding you in his hand. So, brother pastors, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Be strong and of good courage. Do not stop standing for the Lord. Do not stop loving His people. and Speak up for His people. And lead His people. Don't be afraid, brother pastors. Because Jesus is holding you. In his right hand. So to the church today, Jesus is here. Jesus is in the middle of us. And he is the king of this universe. And he is our great high priest. Nobody's going to separate you from God. Because we have a great high priest. Who's also the king of the universe. Nobody's going to trick him out of it. Because he's he's infinitely wise. Nobody's going to pull one over on him. Because he sees all things. He's perfect in purity. There's no manipulation in him. There's no deception in him. He's perfect in purity and in power. And his voice is roaring through his word to your heart today with authority. And he's holding redeemed sinners like me called pastors in his right hand. Redeemed sinners called pastors like Pastor Mike and Pastor Will, pastors all over the world today. Not only that, we were reminded here that this Jesus who is in our midst is the final judge. He's the final judge of all the nations. Verse 16 says, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. We see that imagery again later on in the book of Revelation. Look at Revelation chapter 19. This sword coming from his mouth. What is that about? Revelation 19 verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened. And behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems or crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. And he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth, here it is, comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is part of why we pray for those that God has placed into authority over us. If you're an authority today over people, God has put you there, not man. God has put you there. That's why we pray for you. Because that's a big deal. So if you're a ruler over people today, you're in our prayers because God has entrusted great authority to you. We pray that you'll steward that with wisdom, with justice, 
We're praying for you because all of us in authority will stand before him and give an account one day. A day of judgment's coming. He's coming soon. According to God's word, he's coming with all of his armies. And he's going to take over soon. And that same one, he's here right now. I just need to remind you, in case 49 days of not being here, you might need a little extra reminder, he's right here, and he's the king of the universe. He's the great high priest. He is infinitely wise with eyes that see everything, perfect in purity and power. His voice is roaring with authority. He's holding pastors in his right hand, and he is coming to judge the nations. And number nine, he's radiant in all of his glory. He's radiant in all of his glory. Look at the text, verse 16. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. Jesus is appearing before John in all of his glory. Now, now you and I... We're just kind of getting the overflow of that. Again, this would be like somebody saying, hey, here's Hubble Telescope. Write down what you see. Can you imagine? Can you just try to imagine being John in this moment? He sees Jesus in all of his glory, the king of the universe, our great high priest, infinitely wise, eyes that see everything, perfect in purity and power, voice roaring with authority, holding pastors in his right hand, coming to judge the nations and radiant in all of his glory. And when John saw him in all of his fullness, he nearly died. Look at the text, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet. Though dead. Some of you actually think today that you're going to be able to stand up one day in front of Jesus and argue that based on your own merit, you ought to be in his heaven forever. Are you kidding me? That's not going to happen. When you stand before Jesus in all of his glory, you'll not argue your way. Into his holy presence. The only way that you can be in heaven with Jesus forever is to forsake yourself. Forsake your sin. And trust in who he is. And what he's done at the cross for you. And listen, if you're listening to this right now and the Holy Spirit is drawing you right now to be saved. If you're listening on Facebook, look, just do this in the comments right now. Just type in, Jesus save me. Jesus save me. The people who are watching with you, they're going to celebrate with you. And then we're going to see that here at Grace Life. And we're going to reach out to you and we're going to help you to know Jesus and to walk with Jesus. Or you can go to our website, yourgracelife.com slash together. And you can reach out to us there. We want to help you. Listen, I want you to know Jesus. Because he's the king of the universe. He is the, the only great high priest. You're looking for answers, and I'm telling you, he is infinitely wise. You don't have to run from him. He already sees everything, and he loves you anyway. He's perfect in purity and power, and his voice is roaring today with authority. He's holding pastors in his right hand, and soon he's coming to judge the nations, and he is radiant in all of his glory. Number 10, and he has the first word. John says, I'm laying there like I'm dead. 
But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first. Jesus gets the first word, by the way. He's already had the first word. He said, Let there be light, and there was light. He created everything. He is the first. Not only that, but he gets the last word. His is the first word, and his is the last word. John says, He laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. This Jesus in our midst, in our midst, he spoke the first word that brought creation into existence. And soon he's going to speak the last word that closes the curtain on this creation before he makes a new heaven and a new earth. And he's in the middle of his church right now. Just let that sink in. We are not victims. We are victors because of him who has saved us by his blood. He's the king of the universe. He is our high priest. He is infinitely wise. He sees everything. He's perfect in power and purity. His voice is roaring with authority. He's holding pastors in his right hand. He's coming to judge the nations. He's radiant in all of his glory. And his word is the first word. And his word is the last word. And not only that, number 12, he has conquered death and hell. Is that not a game changer, Alan? He's conquered death and hell. John says, he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore and I hold the keys of death. And Hades. And he's right here today. He's in the middle of his church. He's in the middle of his church in McCullough. He's in the middle of his church in Maine. He's in the middle of his church in Madagascar. He is in the middle of his blood-bought people. He's in the middle of... Of his church, the living one who will never die again. Don't miss this. Death and hell are under his control. He's given the keys to death and hell to none other. He will not allow anybody else to hold those keys. He holds the keys to death and hell. That means, by the way, he determines when you die. So put on your seatbelt and put on your face mask and then get about serving Jesus because you're going to serve him in this world until he calls you home. Nobody's going to change that. Nothing's going to change that. Nobody's taking that authority from him. Nobody's taking those keys away from him. They're his. He speaks And death obeys. That's good news to a pastor who just saw three church members die. Within 36 hours. Not of this sickness. I need to be reminded, and maybe you need to be reminded, that he speaks and death obeys. You don't believe me? Just ask Lazarus. I'm telling you, there's no one that compares to Jesus. 
Look at him. I mean, really look at him. You're not looking at him. Look at him. He's the king of the universe. The great high priest. Infinitely wise. Eyes that see everything. Perfect in purity. Perfect in power. His voice is roaring with authority. He's holding pastors in his right hand. He's coming to judge the nations. He's radiant in all of his glory. And he gets the first word. And he gets the last word. And he controls death and hell. And these believers in the first century, they were suffering. Believers in the 21st century might be aggravated. But the first century believers were suffering. They were dying. Because they wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. They were being separated from their families because they wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. They were in prisons because they wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. John is on this island as an old man because he wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. Do you think when this letter got delivered to those churches in the first century that those people rejoiced when they were reminded who was in their midst? You better believe they did. Being reminded of who is in your midst when you're facing the darkest days, that makes all the difference in the world. Those believers in the first century, they needed to be reminded. John says, I'm telling you, church, Jesus is with us. I know it's not easy. I know it's hard. I know we're struggling. I know we're suffering. I know some of you are losing your lives on the account of Jesus, but I'm telling you, he's with us. He's in our midst, and he is the king of the universe, and he is our great high priest, and he is infinitely wise, and he sees everything, and he's perfect in power and purity, and his voice is roaring with authority, and he's holding you pastors in his right hand, and he's coming to judge the nations. He's radiant in all of his glory. He spoke the first word. He'll speak the last word, and he has authority over death and hell. And I think the church shouted. In fact, I know they did. They rose up out of the darkness. They didn't try to hide. They rose up. You know how I know the first century church rose up in the middle of all that was going on? Because I'm standing here today. Two thousand years later. Because some people got a look, they got a glimpse of Jesus. And he became their treasure. And you behold what you treasure. And you become what you behold. I want Jesus to be our treasure, Grace Life. I want us to behold him. That we might become more like him. I want to invite you just to close your eyes. Even those of you at home, I want you to close your eyes.
And I just want to read the word of God to you as you listen. And I want you to behold Jesus. He's with you. He's with us. He's in our midst. Don't forget that and don't forget who he is. Listen. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and I am the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Jesus Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for calling us your own. Thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. Give us eyes to see you today more clearly than we have been.